out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. Paper people, paper people, what is happening? Hey, hey, welcome to Out of Paper, covering season two, episode six of The Office, titled The Fight. Oh boy. How you guys doing? How you doing, Dan? I'm good. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Nice. I gotta say, uh, even though you were too close to the mic and it got picked up too loud, I feel like your second greeting didn't have the gusto of the first uh, one. It's still good, though. I might be able to recover it. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm just back from Sedona, Arizona. We're recording this episode a little later than we normally do. That's right. Usually record on the same day we release, and now we're recording two days later. You had a good time? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Nice. Yeah. Shout out to anyone who lives in Sedona. You have a, a beautiful city, although... I feel for you that most of your city is occupied by tourists all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and we know what that's like because we both went to college in Orlando. That's true. And just living in Florida in general. That know. is also true. Yeah. Yep. At least some parts of every Florida city is a tourist trap. So Yeah. And Sedona had that feel to it a little bit. But, you know. But you can see past it. So the inner beauty. It's different because it's got huge red rock structures all around the city so oh i didn't realize that was there too so it's northern arizona i guess uh it's about an hour south of flagstaff and like an hour and 45 north of phoenix okay so i guess that's like the middle ish Uh, more northern gotcha southern but yeah it's pretty central most of my time and i guess your time prior to this trip in arizona was spent driving at night so that's true. And then back during the day. Yeah. <laughs> from where we came. Yeah. We did, we spent too much time in Arizona, I would say. Uh, Tucson was cool. Tucson was fun. We hung the Grand out Canyon with, was yeah. beautiful. It was good to see that. It was. Hey, I'm curious. Do yeah. you remember, did we go into a Grand Canyon museum of any kind when we were there, or did we not? I feel like we didn't, but. I feel like there I'm was. Sure. I feel like there was a. Uh, there was some building at one of the points that we stopped that you could go up into, and it did have some like information and stuff. Okay, and it, it also offered like a viewpoint. Okay, but it wasn't it, like exhibits, no. historical stuff. No, we didn't no, no. see anything. It was like really that. small. No, yeah. Okay, I don't know if you know why I'm bringing this up. Uh-uh. I saw this news article the other day. Uh, I actually brought it up when I was uh, to Matt when we were at lunch. A mutual friend of ours, for any listeners yeah. uh, who are confused. But anyway. Uh, Apparently, a museum there, I saw this article about a month ago, had just a bucket of uranium that was sitting in the corner of this museum for, it was either 8 or 18 years, and nobody had noticed it. Just unshielded. Completely unshielded, just a bucket of uranium rocks in the corner, and they said that anybody that visited that museum and was in that room for more than two minutes was exposed to... Not necessarily dangerous levels of radiation, but more radiation than people ideally will get exposed to 
just at a normal their, time in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about in their lifetime. Well, but you just know what I mean. Like from yeah, from an everyday source. Right. Least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More concentrated than they would normally experience in their lifetime. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. I would assume someone who's like an airline pilot, you know, probably has more radiation in their lifetime than right a person who stands near a bucket of uranium for a minute would, or a radiologist, or a radiologist. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the bitter ironies. People that cure help cure diseases that can stem from radiation. Yeah, also succumb to it. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> let's jump into some some not so depressing news. Yeah, I saw you had some good stuff. Yeah, uh, Angela Kinsey and Brian Baumgartner, or as we know them, Angela Martin and Kevin Malone. Malone uh, got together recently. They did a video for Insider, and it's uh, basically a how-to video f- uh, for beer pong, playing beer pong. Ah, and. I feel like most people of drinking age who attend a party are familiar with the game, but I would assume so. It was definitely fun. Or who drink, at least. Yeah. It was definitely fun watching them play together. I'll uh, have to watch that. Yeah, it's it's cute. Angela's it's just funny seeing them out of character. You know, at least for those two people, for me, I, I never really saw them much outside of the show. Especially Brian. Yeah, he's completely different. So you hear him speak with his normal voice. Yeah. It almost makes it feel like there is another person inside him operating him with tiny (laughs) controls in the office. In the office, yeah, for sure. Uh, And just hearing him speak about playing Kevin and (laughs) discussing something intellectually, it's it's a trip. Totally different person. Which just really just credit to that actor that he sells you so deeply on his character. Yeah, definitely. And even his expressions and his physical mannerisms are, you know, that of a normal person, not of yeah. someone who's very slow and dull. Yeah. Like they've been kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and Angela, on the other hand, is totally fun-loving. Very bubbly and chipper. Yeah. Just a totally different person than she is on the show. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a fun watch. You guys should check it out if you get a chance. Cool. Um, we can put a link in our show notes. Yeah, I got the links in the notes, so we'll do that. Sweet. Other news, so the video of Rain Wilson and <laughs> Billie Eilish, more Billie Eilish news. Who's Billie Eilish? <laughs> uh, the video of their meetup finally came out. It was produced by Billboard, and Rain just kind of hangs out with Billie and at one point starts you know, quizzing her on office trivia. It's pretty fun. There's, there's even questions that I'd, I don't even think uh, Rain Wilson knew the answer to. At points, and she got it. Wow! And there was times where he was like really surprised that she uh, knew the answer to some of these questions. So I got to watch that too. Maybe yeah. after we finish recording. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, it's also a fun watch. So if there's any listeners out there that either like Billie Eilish or just want to see some some more Rain Wilson, it's a good video to check out. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Cool. Shall we jump into the episode? Take it away, Rob. All right. <laughs> This episode is titled The Fight. It was aired on November 1st, 2005, and it was viewed by 7.9 million people. Okay, a little down from last week. A little less from the week before. Maybe there was uh, some event happening this night, sporting event or whatnot, that took people away. I don't know. Shame on you, American viewers of 13 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was directed by Ken Quippy. 
Oh boy. Old favorite. Back in the saddle. Favorite of the show. And it was written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupinski. This is the first episode they've written. Of many, it seems of like. Of many. And uh, a lot of good ones. Viewers know them as Gino and Leo of Vance Refrigeration. Right. There's a couple episodes where uh, they're featured, one of which they sell Michael a caprese salad. Only <laughs> under the guise of it being, <laughs> what is it, a half pound of pot? I Something think he says. like that, yeah. Oh, there's like a little chunk of mozzarella inside yeah. of it. <laughs> Gives him a tiny little bag and he charges him, what, like $500 yeah, or something? Yeah, something really absurd. So come on, I'm losing money on this. Just take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't realize that they were writers on the show. And they, were, they worked on the show from 2005, well... They worked on the show from season two through season six. Right. Yeah. Are you sure? Actually, I feel like they might have worked on it a little longer than that. Because when I was looking at the list of episodes that at least one of them wrote, I thought Scott's Tots was included in there. Well, let me rephrase. They were actively in the writer's room between season two and season six. And you're right. They did come back and write a couple episodes. It's funny because... Some episodes they're credited that like one person gets the credit versus the other. Hmm. But apparently they wrote everything together. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe they just decided amongst each other to switch off one at a time. Maybe yeah, or it looks maybe, better for them or something. Maybe someone had written like, you know, the the structure of an episode and they went back and, you know That makes sense. Yeah. Together and did the details and whatnot. But yeah, they uh they preferred to work as a team. The notable episodes they wrote, at least the ones that stood out to me, was uh, Michael's birthday, the <laughs> convention, and dinner party. Oh, man. Which. There's <laughs> some heavy hitting episodes right yeah. there. Especially dinner party. I feel like dinner party <laughs> might be in my top three office episodes. That might be my number one as well. I'm yeah. not sure. I haven't it, really uh, yeah. given it much thought what would be my n- number one, but that me could either. be it. Yeah. It, it's just. It's. It's so good. And it's so different from everything else in the show. Maybe after we finish season two, we should start a top 20 list that we can then revise and change as needed. That's a good idea. Bump out episodes and stuff. That's a good idea. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah. So outside of the office, Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupinski teamed up with Stephen Merchant as writers for Hello Ladies on HBO. They definitely know their cringe. Yeah, they Hence do. Scott's thoughts and the very visceral oh, yeah. online reaction. That, that was another episode. A lot of people seem to have. That was another episode they wrote together with Scott's thoughts. So, yeah. Well, anybody who uh, has a hard time watching Scott's thoughts as great as Ladies Man is, I do not, or Hello Ladies, I do not recommend you see it. You'll probably be in a lot of physical pain oh, halfway through the first episode and it only gets worse. Honestly, I think <laughs> I think that was like peak cringe humor. I don't think it can get. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking that, really. of much cringier TV than that show. It is a really hard show to get through. Mm-hmm. Every episode is just like jam-packed full of cringe moments. I feel like there are some scenes in extras that maybe get close, but maybe not quite to the level. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I always, I, I feel like the, however many times I've gone through extras, I always forget how insane that show gets at points. And then I'm just in the middle of an episode, just like, oh my God, I can't believe. And you know what I love? happening. You know what I love about it is it's always the cameos that I feel like get 
the cringiest moments? Sometimes. Sometimes, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of one specifically with Stephen Merchant that I don't even really want to say. Okay. <laughs> for the sake of any viewers that could be, or listeners, or viewers. Or viewers. I'm not sure what you guys yeah, are. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, but uh, whoever could be eating while they listen to this, I just I just don't even want to go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it has to do with Stephen Merchant being on a date in extras. That's as far as I'll go. I'll see if you remember. Man, it's been so long, and I've only, I've only gone through it once. Oh, uh, okay. I really need to go through it again. A guy I work with, Matt, is has recently gone through it, and I think he had only seen season one prior to this rewatch. So, oh wow, season two was all fresh for him, and he he was coming in like every other day, be like, like, and we would talk about you know the episode, and mm-hmm. it definitely made me want to watch it again because there's a lot of details I can't remember. So good, yeah. And currently, they executive produce the ABC series Trophy Wife and the CBS series Bad Teacher based on their original screenplay for the film of the same name. Huh. And I believe it starred Cameron Diaz. Oh, yeah, I've seen that on Netflix. I've Someone not watched it. it, but I've... Yeah, I haven't watched it either. I've definitely seen it there. It kind of made me want to check it out, though, knowing that these two wrote it. Totally. Yeah. We'll add it to our list. <laughs> add it to the list. <laughs> We've got, what, 70 hours of content now? <laughs> We're only seven episodes in, six episodes in. For the second season, the second 12 season. episodes of the podcast. Yep, there you go. We did it. What'd we do? You just named the chronological number of the show. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Was I not supposed to? Well, we do. <laughs> We've been going over this every week. Right, right, right. Since episode eight, I think. Right. But anyways. 12th episode, <laughs> coming back. Let's Here we get are. back to it. Number 12. Number 12. 12th episode overall. Yep. Out of paper. <laughs> And the, and the show we cover. Yes. All right. So this episode has a cold open. It does. And we're going to do something that we haven't yet done. What's that? Start with a clip. Hey! <laughs> Where is my desk? That is weird. This is not funny. This is totally unprofessional. Okay, well, you're the one who lost the desk. I didn't lose my desk. Okay, calm down. Where was the last place you saw it? Okay, who moved my desk? I think you should retrace your steps. Okay, I am going to tell Michael and this entire office will be punished. Colder. Warmer. A little warmer. There you go. Ooh, warmer. Warmer. Warmer, 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 cold, 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 back up. Ooh, ooh, warmer, hot, red hot, hot, very hot. Dwight Schrute. Hi, Dwight. Um, what sort of discounts are we giving on the 20-pound white bond? Jim, I've given you this information like 20 times. I know. It's by the ream? Uh, yeah. Ream. It is now 9.78. So it's a discount of 7%. Okay, thank you. Gotta get back to work. Wash your hands, Kevin. <laughs> good stuff it is good stuff (laughs) it's not the only time that jim messes with dwight's desk somehow no but i think it is the first one it is yeah Yeah. so 
kicks off an ongoing theme. Indeed. Messing with his desk. I'm a big fan of the one we see, and I think a, I think it was a montage uh, of when he was trying to please Stanley with his pranks, and he had just completely taken Dwight's desk away and reconstructed it with Lego bricks. Oh, yeah. Or maybe a generic version of Lego. Yeah. Building blocks of yeah. some sort. Yeah. And Dwight doesn't look, just tosses his briefcase on the desk and just crashes through the middle of it. <laughs> it's too bad he didn't sit down. <laughs> right. But yeah, lots of uh, pranks. And I guess the first uh, kind of major Jim prank, if I'm yeah. not incorrect. I feel like it, we've seen a lot of pranks, but they've it's, all been pretty small fry compared to this one. Right, yeah. This is the biggest yet. They uh-huh. get bigger, but this is the biggest yet. Oh, yeah. They definitely get bigger. Yeah. I think maybe the red wire is probably the... <laughs> The most elaborate one. <laughs> I love that when Jim looks behind his shoulder and Dwight's climbing it and he's like, yeah, I got up there. He'll be fine. Yeah. He's halfway up a telephone pole, just <laughs> yeah. testing the tautness of this cord. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to point out that uh, when Kevin comes out of his stall, he has a scented candle. Right. After getting smelliest bowel movement. Right. Yeah. I was wondering <laughs> if it had something to do with his Dundee award. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that he seems utterly perplexed as to Dwight being there at his desk in the bathroom, <laughs> which leads me to think, how does logistically that work? Either Kevin has been in the bathroom for like 45 minutes. And didn't hear all of the commotion of moving yeah, the desk Yeah, somehow missed out on all that. Yeah. <laughs> or he just ignored the desk and inched his way past it to use the bathroom. I mean, maybe he's just surprised that Dwight is like actually sitting there and doing stuff. Yeah. Talking on his phone. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah. I also, uh, wanted to point out that it seems like Dwight showed up pretty late. All things considered. Yeah. It seems out of character for him. It does. Maybe he had an appointment or something. Maybe. Yeah. The horse doctor. Or, you know, even Michael brings up that, you know, some people take dentist appointments that don't go to the dentist. That's true. Yeah, maybe this was one of those instances. I don't see Dwight really. Well, I was going to say, I don't see Dwight doing that, but then there's an episode where he does exactly that. So I thought he really went to the dentist named Crentist. What's <laughs> your dentist's name? Crentist. It's this new quick drying your bonding. Dentist's <laughs> name is Crentist. Maybe that's why he wanted to become a dentist. <laughs> oh, that's good. So we cut to Jim, he's on the phone with a client, and we overhear Dwight on the phone talking to his sensei. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seems like Dwight's the one that made the call. Right. Yeah. Well, I just say I just said we overhear him. Yeah, yeah, but it looks like he, well, just to set up that, you know, his sensei seemingly hangs up on him. That's but true, yeah. That his, him. His, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by just the one side of the conversation we hear uh-huh. of Dwight, yeah, it doesn't seem like his sensei's very thrilled to be on the phone with him. <laughs> <laughs> sensei Ira is a bit of a shyster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he hangs up the phone by saying, like, Arigato, sensei. Oh. I like that at the beginning of the call, he uh, says, sensei, it's senpai. <laughs> And then there's a pause, and he goes, Dwight! Dwight! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> he hangs up the phone. Jim had hung up with his client at this point, because he was too intrigued. Mm-hmm. And uh, asks Dwight, oh, is that your mom? 
<laughs> and Dwight's like, no, that was my sensei. And Jim's like, oh, well, I thought that was your mom. And then he's like, what's a senpai? <laughs> Dwight's like, uh, it's an assistant sensei. Assistant to the sensei? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're assistant to the sensei. Cool. <laughs> assistant sensei. I also read uh, that apparently Dwight is misusing that term. That's right. Yeah, that in mm-hmm. you know, a real dojo environment, uh, senpai means someone worthy of respect, and you would never refer to yourself as that to your sensei. Right. So then we get a talking head with Dwight. He's talking about his gojuru karate. Mm-hmm. While he's talking, we get a montage of Dwight in class. Yep. And he's surrounded by a bunch of kids. There's nobody else in there that's his age. Besides the sensei. Seems maybe a little younger. He does seem younger than Dwight. <laughs> All of these kids are practicing their kicks along with Dwight. <laughs> Dwight is the only one who's receiving instruction from the sensei to snap his leg back a little quicker. <laughs> so good. So Sensei Ira is played by Lance Crawl. He was born on December 9th, 1970. Actor, comedian, and writer, director, and producer. He became well-known after his portrayal as Kip in the faux reality show, The Joe Schmo Show. Hmm. It's hard to say. It is. I've never... <laughs> this is the first time I've said it out loud. Joe Schmo Show. I had just typed it out prior. And <laughs> yeah, it's a lot harder to say. And then he went on to create and star in the Lance Crawl Show and a show called Free Radio. Huh. Never seen either of those. Me neither. Don't even know what networks they were on. Or the Joe Schmo show. You know, that sounds familiar, though, doesn't Joe it? Joe Schmo. Uh, see, I can't. <laughs> the Joe Schmo show? For some reason, that rang a bell, but I can't picture it in my head. Huh. Well, I, feel, I feel like add com- it to the list. Yeah, we'll add it to the list. <laughs> I feel like Comedy Central did reruns of that for a little while. I can see that. Yeah. He His dad was a naval aviator. And his mom was a spy for the CIA. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have even talked about his parents, but when I read that, I was like, oh, "Yeah, got to put feel that like in worth there." Talking yeah. about just for that. Yeah. So was she like an ousted spy, or? Well, I mean, she had retired. They she had retired by like 1983 or four, uh, okay. something so like that. I guess at a certain he point, was only it's not really a security risk if someone's known as a spy, like. Right. 30 years after they not yeah. spy. Yeah, he was only nine at the time she finally retired. Gotcha. Um, after serving as a writer on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for seasons nine and ten. Wow. Yeah. Crawl teamed up with Rain Wilson to write and executive produce a show called Hollywood and Vine, which hmm. was uh, a comedy set in Hollywood that featured real-life Vine stars. Vine being the short yeah. video social media service that was short-lived. Was it short-lived? I thought they were still around. No, Vine's oh. totally gone. I think as soon as Snapchat started allowing video, Vine didn't really Interesting. have anything unique to offer. And Instagram already had like a much larger market share than they did. So huh. they died. Peace out, Vine. Yeah, that was... A number of years ago at this point. Huh. Uh, Lance Crawl also holds a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo 
and was ranked sixth in the nation for his weight class in 1992. That's pretty nuts. Really is. Yeah. You'd think with that level of skill, he'd be able to teach Dwight karate (laughs) in less than, you know, what, 13, 14 years and costing him over (laughs) $125,000. Is that how long he's been there? I think that's what Dwight explains in maybe the series finale when, or Uh, not the series finale, maybe the second episode to the series finale. Yeah. When we meet Sensei Billy, who's presenting Dwight with his black belt in the office. Oh, right. And he explains that, uh, you know, he found out most students don't spend over $100,000 and take (laughs) 14 years to get their black belt. (laughs) That's great. Actually, uh, Sensei Ira comes back. In the last season of the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. For a job as a paper salesman. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't think we actually see his interview among all the other comedians that we see interview, but... No, yeah. We just see him in the large group of mm-hmm. applicants. Or I don't even know if they're applicants, but seemingly Dwight just like called all of the people he knew to like come in and interview. Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. I, I mean, I guess we'll talk about it in several years when we get to it. But the uh, the guy who, during his interview, refuses to sell Dwight the hypothetical piece of paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not very good. I don't know why you'd want it. You want it so much. It's making me think, I need to keep it. <laughs> Give it up, man. It's over. It's not happening. <laughs> so back to the episode. Stanley walks up to Pam's desk with folders. And tells Pam, I don't want to work late again this year. Pam's like, I have no control over that. And the he camera. gives her a big harumph look. Oh, yeah. I don't know what Stanley's expecting. Well, I think it was more of just like an acknowledgement of like, yeah, I know. And then they both look over at Michael. The camera pans over. <laughs> and he's just in his office, like straightening a picture frame on his wall. Yeah, it looked like it was an award for something that he got. <laughs> He's almost like actively, actively getting out of work. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah. But this is the first inkling we get of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a talking head with Pam. She's explaining Michael's list of work and how the purchase orders, expense reports, and time cards all need to be signed and initialed and four times a year. They all fall on the same day. They all fall on the same day, and. This is one of those days. Yep. Pam calls it the perfect storm. He literally just has to write his name a bunch of times and initial stuff a bunch of times. Right. Assuming he has one for each employee, that's less than 40 times that he has to initial and sign his name if he has to do it once per form. He might have to do it more than once. Well, yeah, I was going to say, for time cards, it's probably one per employee. Purchase orders... Those probably could be a bunch accumulate over the course of a number of months. Whatever the case, I think if he was not reading them and was just signing them all, it would take a normal person no more than 15 minutes. That's the thing. <laughs> like, he's not going to go through all of the information on every one of these things he's signing. So no. I don't see what the big deal and is. And his office but, just is not that big. Right. But yeah, he never wants to do the administrative stuff. He's just there to like be a cheerleader for everybody. So yeah, although you know, thinking about purchase orders, his warehouse does contain over two point five billion units of inventory. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to Michael in his office. We got a clip. I don't want to work. 
I just want to bang on this mug all day. Did you ask me here for any specific reason? Uh, yes, I did. Here's the dizzle. I have a very top secret mission for you. I want you to update all the emergency contact information. Why is that secret? Hello, oh God. Busy work. Oh, get away, Cretan. Um, I put stickers so you know where to sign. Yes, thanks. I know where to sign. It's just that last year you... Yeah, well, last year they were out of order, weren't they, Pam? Well, the last pickup for overnight deliveries is at 7, mm -hmm. so you need to have them signed by then or much earlier. Chillax, Pam. Stop Pam MSing. That's pretty good. Um, actually, I'm sending Ryan on a top-secret mission. Tell her what it is. Updating emergency contacts? Well, is that really a priority? Is it a priority? Oh, I don't know. Um, what if there's a tornado, Pam? People's legs are crushed under rubble. Please, would you be so kind as to call my wife? No, I can't, because we don't have any emergency contact information, because Pam said it wasn't a priority. Think. Think with your head, Pam. Okay. Well, she walks out. That's the problem with being a boss, is that when you are tough, they resent you, and when you are cool, they walk all over you. Catch-22. Catch-22. Yes? Why don't you give me your contact information to start with, okay? What's your cell? <laughs> this is clearly all just a ruse to get Ryan's phone number. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I mean, that's he spends the entire episode just calling, calling Ryan over and over. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, one point bangs on the window and Ryan's ignoring it. Pick up. <laughs> Pick up. Yeah. Makes it sound it's serious. Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he very clearly also does not know what Catch-22 is. Oh, yes. To Catch-22. Yes. And then scratches his head. <laughs> Just repeats it. Yeah. And it comes up again, and he uses it incorrectly. Right. Amazing. I also love how irritated Ryan is now with him just overall from the get-go. It's true. Like, yeah. No, no patience or, you know, leeway. For mm -hmm. his boss, just like <laughs> he's over it already. It's great. Hottest in the office. <laughs> uh, so Ryan begins his mission, collecting everybody's emergency contacts, and he starts with Jim. Jim offers his mom's contact info. Mm -hmm. While he's doing this, Michael calls Ryan's phone, <laughs> pretending to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> Calling from Wonderland. <laughs> and then Ryan corrects him. He's like, you mean Neverland? <laughs> and Michael doesn't skip a beat. He just moves on and he's like, and now he's Tito. Yep. <laughs> and Ryan's just like, what? What are you talking about? And uh, hangs up on him. And uh, apparently the address that Jim provides... For his emergency contact, which we assume is his mother, is a different address from when he purchases his parents' house later in the series. Right. I saw that. Yeah. Knocked down by the quarry. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they fell on... Well, no, he said he grew up in that house. Yeah. So, continuity error. A little bit. A little bit. Who's the script super supervisor for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Then we cut to Jim at Pam's desk. Pam is reading his palm. It's pretty much just making stuff up as it goes along, following a website's, you know, 
Yeah. I don't even know how she's referencing it, but yeah. Yeah. Tells them that something is a very bad sign. Right. Some lines crossing or Mm -hmm. something. Just in passing mentions that Jim has nice teeth. There's something comes up about his teeth. and It's he, uh, she is saying that she's just telling him, you know, the reality of his hands. And he uh, retorts, so at least I don't have cavities. And then she responds, yes, mm. you have very nice teeth. There you go. And Jim is pleased. Yes, very flattered. Yeah. And he gives her a big smile, flashing those pearly whites. Right. She's not looking up at him, though. No. Uh, so then we cut to Ryan over at Kevin's desk getting his emergency contact. Mm-hmm. And his phone starts ringing. And the <laughs> camera pans over to Michael in his office, standing at his blinds, like holding one <laughs> blind up and his cell phone up. And he says, he looks directly at Ryan and says, pick up. <laughs> like uh, angrily. Oh, too. yeah. Very serious. <laughs> almost looks concerned. Uh-huh. And as soon as... As soon as Ryan answers his phone, he does a Mike Tyson impression. <laughs> this is Mike Tyson. <laughs> and then bursts into giggles. Yeah. <laughs> Just can't even. It's hard to see why Michael didn't have any friends in high school. I just don't understand. <laughs> I know. Such a likable guy. Yeah. Not annoying at all. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim is not done with dwight's karate life he needs to know more oh yeah and uh he asks dwight as senpai if he thinks that robots and humans will ever peacefully coexist (laughs) and dwight begins to seriously answer his question talking about well it depends on how they're programmed i think he says no it's impossible because of how they're programmed because of how they're programmed right (laughs) before he he gets any further he stops suspecting that jim is mocking him and Dwight says, let me offer some advice. I'm not afraid to make an example out of you. <laughs> Jim's like, that's not really advice. Here's, here's what advice sounds like. Maybe you shouldn't bring your purple belt to work because someone might take it. And he holds up <laughs> Dwight's purple belt. I think he calls it a toy, actually. Oh, there you Don't go. Don't bring your toys to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't bring your toys to work. Holds up the purple belt. Uh, Dwight obviously gets pissed. Says, it's not a toy. It's a symbol that he can (laughs) physically dominate anyone in the office. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately after saying that, we get a quick cut to Dwight fighting uh, a dummy at his dojo. And he's literally just like... uh, palm slamming the guy's nose just over and over again and he even like at one point looks behind him at the camera with a big grin on his face yep (laughs) pretty menacing stuff and then we cut back to michael in his office continuing to procrastinate and this is more of a yin yang thing the michael is all cursive scott all caps left brain right brain or duality of man could you practice on the forms? I like that looking at that page, he's written his name enough times that he probably could have been done with a decent chunk of the forms if he just put them on the forms. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's ridiculous that a man his age is still practicing his <laughs> signature, right? <laughs> That's like something you do when you first learn cursive. Mm-hmm. Do they still teach that? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. 
mean, I settled on the squiggly line as my signature around that age because I didn't care for writing cursive. Yeah, not to mention, you know, how often do you have to sign something throughout your time. day? Yeah, and it's like, how much of your life do you really want to spend, you know, writing out a pretty signature? Yeah, I remember one of my best friends in middle school, he uh, wrote his name, which is a very long name, out in full cursive and it took him like a good 30 seconds every time to sign his signature to anything why why would you even do that just you know come up with something that looks unique that maybe has like yeah you know something that symbolizes the main letters yeah i'm willing to bet uh as far as i know now i i don't really stay in contact with this guy anymore but from facebook he seems to be an attorney, and I'm willing to bet that uh, he's either gotten a lot faster or has changed it since then. I hope so. So I imagine he has to sign his name more frequently than either of us do, oh. being an attorney. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> or he could just be notorious around the courthouse as that guy with the super long signature. <laughs> <laughs> could be. So we cut to Jim and Dwight at the office supply wall or shelf. Uh-huh. I would imagine that's the only way I know how to describe it. I think it's uh referred to as the supply shelf. Supply shelf. There you go. When Pam via Skype is uh All right. showing what's her name? Ronnie. Ronnie. <laughs> Where the uh the colored clips are. That's right. We call her Rice or Ronnie. She's hilarious. <laughs> Not really. A beam of light. It's dark, dark office. <laughs> <laughs> so just such a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> so jim is listing off names of people and dwight's kind of responding as to whether or not he could beat them up and michael walks by and jim says oh can you beat up michael michael turns and is like Psh, yeah right <laughs> and dwight's like yeah we're friends we wouldn't fight so and michael's butts in he's like i'd kick his ass Jim's like, well, Dwight has a purple belt, so. <laughs> and Michael's like, so what? I've taken on black belts. <laughs> How did you know? Beat them up. How did you know? <laughs> well, I asked them afterwards. <laughs> they told me. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, and then we see Ryan getting Toby's contact information. And Ryan asks, is your contact still your wife and toby's like ex-wife <laughs> ryan <laughs> ryan writes in x we assume and toby's like oh and her last name's becker now and you, you don't you don't have to write x <laughs> <laughs> poor toby yeah so i noticed something in this uh scene mm. i don't know if you spotted it it seems like this episode was doing a bit of advertising for geek squad I did not notice this. So I noticed that in this scene, Toby has a very prominently shown sticker right above his head that's a Geek Squad logo on his cubicle wall. The only other stuff on there is random paperwork and forms, nothing remotely logo related. Huh. And then immediately right after this in the next scene, when we're back in the bullpen, up next to Homer on the box of paper is a little Geek Squad VW bug. Whoa. Yeah. So, I mean, the IT somebody's feeding the monkey. Yeah, the IT guys we see definitely aren't from Geek Squad. Oh so, no, yeah, you know, interesting. But I guess you know that doesn't stop NBC from advertising. No, 
And I mean, everybody does that. I, I don't oh, know, yeah. fault the office or no. NBC for it, but it's just right. something that stuck out to me as yeah. being inorganic. And I know those things don't exist all the time. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I didn't catch that. Yeah. So moving forward, we see Michael at Jim's desk talking about people that Michael's beaten up in the past. Mm-hmm. We just kind of come into the conversation like, you know, towards the end of it. We don't really hear a lot of those details. Michael's talking about how he used to hang out with a tough crowd. <laughs> He's gotten out of it. And uh, Jim's like, well, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. <laughs> and Michael leans in very seriously and's like, you're a jet? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a reference to West Side Story, for those of, of you who don't know. Which I hear is actually about to be remade. Really? I think, uh, who was it? Maybe Spielberg is going to be doing another yeah. more modern rendition of West Side Story. I'm not a huge musical guy, so I'm not that excited about it. But this time it's going to be in a uh, like a boardroom, you know, two warring <laughs> corporations, you know, oh, an God. arbitration. Maybe. Fresh take. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be a way to modernize it. Can you imagine if you were a theater critic, and I'm only thinking of this because of listening to Amy Nicholson, the uh, co-host on Unspooled, complaining about her early career as a theater critic. Uh-huh. And for her, it was uh, a Christmas carol, but I feel like it would be the same. Can you imagine, if that was your job, how many like bad renditions of like quote-unquote fresh takes of like West Side Story or any of these classics you would have to go see and review all the time? Oh, man. How many versions can there Probably. be? I mean, so many. Infinite number, I guess, hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to really like that stuff if you're going to do a job like that. Her story was actually, that's why she quit being a theater critic. She said that she was going to see something that was like two hours outside of L.A. where she lived. And it was, I think, it was either the fourth or 14th version of A Christmas Carol that she was going to see in review. And she was already going to be late, and she just ended up pulling over her car, stuck in traffic out of frustration, and calling her boss and saying, I love you, but I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Just didn't have it in her anymore. I don't blame her. No, me neither. And it seems like she made a pretty good living for herself and is making a good living as a film critic. So Nice. Good for her that she found a better way. Yeah. Angela sees that Michael is procrastinating, so she calls him out for it. Michael then acts like he's going to go back to his office, and Dwight has his head down working, and Michael sneaks up behind him and puts him in a headlock <laughs> and yells, sleeper hold, is wrestling with Dwight, and mm-hmm. uh, says something along the lines of, like, you are the weakest link. <laughs> which was a game show at the time. And uh, then we have a clip of Michael. I'm friends with everybody in this office. We're all best friends. We, I love everybody here. But sometimes your best friends start coming into work late and start having dentist appointments that aren't dentist appointments. And that is when it's nice to let them know that you could beat them up. Just hit me. You'll see. I can't. Because I uh, just got a manicure. So. Oh, queer. I queer eye. That's a good show. Important show. Go ahead. Do it. Just have Dwight punch you. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be kind of worthless because I know a ton of 14-year-old girls that could kick his ass. You know a ton of 14-year-old girls? What belt are they? 
Look, Dwight is a wuss. When we rented Armageddon, no. he cried at the end of it. Michael, we did. I told you. That was because it was New Year's Eve and it started to snow at oh, exactly man. midnight. Bruce Willis, they're going to leave him on the asteroid. Okay, <laughs> I'll punch you. Oh, okay, here we go. All right, come on. Get out! Ah! Oh! Did I want to harm Michael? The one man I've been hired to protect? No, I did not. Are you okay? Yes. Are you sure you're all right? Yep. Thank you. I come from a long line of fighters. My maternal grandfather was the toughest guy I ever knew. World War II veteran. Killed 20 men, then spent the rest of the war in an Allied prison camp. My father battled blood pressure and obesity all his life. Different kind of fight. <laughs> Michael's reaction after he gets punched is so good. Yeah. I love that Dwight goes for the double punch, the rapid fire. Yeah. Two sucker punches to the chest <laughs> and the stomach. That's great. I love that he just immediately limps back into his office and closes the blind closest to the door before just sprawling out on his <laughs> desk. Collapsing onto his desk. And yeah, just everything on there just gets disheveled and pushed around. Yep. Oh, that's so good. I also love Dwight referring to uh, Michael as the one man he was hired to protect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also, I didn't really think about it watching it this time or any of the other times I did until listening to this clip just now with you. But I never caught and I enjoy the trivia that the way Michael and Dwight have spent at least one New Year's Eve was watching Armageddon <laughs> together at midnight. <laughs> That's so true. Oh. Sounds like quite the New Year's Eve. Yeah. (laughs) So we see Jim at Pam's desk, and uh, they look over at Dwight, who's teaching Kevin some defensive maneuvers. Mm -hmm. And Jim is like, okay, he needs to be stopped. Please go ask Michael. And Pam is hesitant. Jim says, I'll. I'll buy you a bag of chips. And Pam's like French onion, and Jim's like, of course, because I guess that's Pam's favorite. So mm-hmm. Of course, he would know that. So Pam walks over to Michael's door, knocks on it, and says, "Michael responds. He's like, uh, I haven't signed them yet. Okay, go away." And Pam's like, "Well, it's not about that. Uh, I was just wondering if we're gonna stay late." that Dwight stays late too so he can walk me to my car <laughs> for protection. And Michael's like, come in, and explains that Dwight can't stop a mugging and that he's not tough enough and that he could murder Dwight in a fight. <laughs> and Pam's just like, okay, well, it's just what happened out there. You know, <laughs> Michael's like, is that what they're saying? Okay, okay, where's Dwight? <laughs> I think there's definitely no chance that anybody else is talking about this. No, no. <laughs> Nobody cares. I feel like they had their fun for a moment. I also want to bring up before we get too far ahead of it, because I feel like we completely just glossed past it. Huh. We didn't talk about Dwight during the clip uh, the first time he brings up that his grandfather is a Nazi. That's the first reference that we get in the show of oh. many. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he killed 20 men and then spent the rest of the war in an allied prison camp. 
Right. <laughs> he was captured you know, by the Allies. You know what's funny is, yeah, and I was, I, I guess just in my mind had assumed that he was just stationed in an Ally prison camp. Nope. But yeah, no, he was a prisoner. Uh-huh. Whoa. And we also hear uh, there's a point where Dwight references his grandpa Mannheim is still puttering around down or, or, uh, down around Argentina somewhere. Right. He tried to travel to there once, but his travel visa was protested by the Shoah Foundation. <laughs> and uh, also some weirdly conflicting information about Dwight's grandpa. Later in the series, he references that uh, people found out his grandfather was a member of the Bund, which is not the same as the American Nazi Party. I actually did some research to see what it is. Uh-huh. And it was... Basically, a version of an American Nazi party that was made of uh, German-descended Americans during World War II that were trying to show a favorable view of Germany and were trying to help Americans avoid being conscripted into the military. Well, we don't know that it was the same grandfather. That's true. Could be his other grandpa. They yeah. could both be German. So yeah. one of them was German in Germany and the other one was... Fighting the good fight for the Nazis from the United States. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or not good fight, I guess. <laughs> that's really interesting. Definitely not good fight. Yeah. Try not to take a political stand on this podcast, but I think taking the stand that Nazis are bad is uh, not a very bold stance. No. We are anti-Nazi on yes. this podcast. 100%. <laughs> huh. But yeah, just a little bit of trivia before yeah. we move on too quickly past it. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you stopped us. That was really fascinating. Yeah. So Michael starts marching towards the break room where we assume Dwight is. And Jim gets up behind Michael <laughs> as he's walking and he starts doing like the the snapping motion that yep. the Jets do in West Side Story. He's got the crouch going on too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very excited that this is happening. Mm-hmm. Michael walks into the break room and finds Dwight, and he's Dwight is teaching Kelly a karate move. Yep. And as soon as they finish the first maneuver, Dwight says to Kelly, okay, now let me take you from behind. <laughs> and before he gets very far, Michael interrupts him. He complains to Dwight that his punch wasn't fair, that it was... That he wasn't expecting the second punch. Mm-hmm. Catch 22. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the idea of a rematch in Dwight's JoJo is uh, JoJo. <laughs> in Dwight's dojo is floated uh, by Jim, I believe, mm-hmm. as Toby is walking in. And of course. <laughs> Michael knows what Toby's reaction to this would be, so Michael immediately is, says to Toby, like, walk away, walk away, Toby, leave right now. Well, not only that, Toby comes through and is asking him about the forms that he's oh, yeah. needing to sign, so right. that's also, in addition to him never wanting to talk oh, to Toby, you know, yeah. he's... Just doesn't want to hear yeah. Toby complaining about... He just found a semi-legitimate reason to avoid doing the work <laughs> he has to do, so... He doesn't want any interruptions. I wonder what Toby's involved. It must be the time cards that Toby's involved with. Yeah, okay. And I, it just seems like whenever Michael has assignments that are due to corporate, Toby kind of acts as you know a low level police officer, just kind of on his back to get it done, since he you know works for corporate. 
That's true. Yeah. So Toby leaves. Michael accepts the dojo challenge and says, we'll go at lunch. Pam, mm-hmm. make an announcement. Figure out carpools. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has to go, of course. Uh, during this exchange, uh, Michael says a line, I'm going to take you out with two punches. <laughs> Me punching you and you hitting the floor. <laughs> which is a botched quote from The Breakfast Club. Yep. Which is two hits. Me hitting you, you hitting the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> Michael can never get a quote from a movie right. I love the way he botches. Uh, well, we'll get to it later in the <laughs> yeah. episode, but even better botch. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so we cut to the dojo. Uh, it's supposed to be a karate dojo, but there's taekwondo symbols on the windows. Mm-hmm. And the sparring gear they use is actually taekwondo specific. Because they don't use... Actually, I think in karate... At least this form of karate that they practice or are supposedly practicing. Mm-hmm. They don't use any sparring gear. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's got to be real. Yeah. And I guess in karate sparring, or rather this specific version of karate when they spar, uh-huh. you only get points when you knock your opponent to the ground. Oh, interesting. Yeah, not on... Not like a body... Not like a clean blow. Yeah. So anyway... Michael points out a Japanese symbol on the wall. <laughs> I know this one. And says to Sensei already, yeah, I know this one. It's the symbol for California roll. The Japanese <laughs> word for California roll. <laughs> Sensei Ira corrects him and says, actually, that means eternal discipline. <laughs> and we cut to Jim in the dojo with Pam. Jim is pretending to read Pam's palm, even though she's wearing a target practice glove. Mm-hmm. She bops him in the face. Yeah. Bops him in the face. Gently. And yeah. Then Jim kind of takes his hand and taps her forehead. And they mm-hmm. kind of begin play fighting. And Jim picks her up off yep. the ground from behind. And she seems to be okay with it for about one second. For, yeah, a little bit. And then Mary. I feel like it's until her shirt starts coming up in the front. Not that she was being yeah. exposed or anything, but just, you know, well, just getting it, a little too intimate, a little too. It was. Uh, public. Uh huh. And yeah. Not, because of her stomach, but because of her and Jim. Right. Know. Meredith looks over and mm-hmm. looks over her shoulder and Pam asks her to stop. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the shirt coming up, while it wasn't the reason that she had him stop so abruptly, I also I, I do feel like, in a sense, that does kind of make her a little vulnerable, a little exposed. Totally. She and it's just like, yeah, there's just a lot of things more kind of coalescing so, at once. Right, exactly. It was definitely more so that she yeah. did not feel comfortable being that physical with Jim in front of, well, people in general. But maybe even if they were alone, she might have felt a little guilt. And I feel like, yeah, at least from like, I mean, maybe I'm overanalyzing this from my own personal perspective. But not that I've ever been in this specific type of situation ever. But I feel like the shirt coming up could be one of those things that when you're kind of wrapped into a moment and you're not really paying attention to your surroundings or what's going on or how people might perceive something that's going on when something physical like that happens, even if it's nothing in itself, that's very dramatic, it kind of snaps you into reality. Yeah. And she, yeah, it's just like, nope, nope. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, like you said, it's kind of uh, it's kind of all of those things coming together into a moment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's funny. Going through, maybe only my first couple times going through the series, I always kind of wondered, it just seems so, it seemed so abrupt to me at first. Like she was like laughing, laughing, and then all of a sudden, you know, she seems to, you know, not be into it. And I, I didn't really understand it at mm-hmm. first. It's, it is kind of, uh, I don't know. I guess the first couple of times I didn't really notice Meredith looking over her shoulder because the camera doesn't really, uh, I see the camera doesn't really focus on her. No, it doesn't. She's yeah. in the corner. Right. But Pam definitely notices. Yeah. Yeah. She sees Meredith look. And, and I and, feel like she's saying, put me down before Meredith looks, but she starts getting a lot more intense. Yeah. Yeah. She's laughing. When Meredith she, she's laughing. Looks, yeah. as she says it. And then Meredith looks over. And yeah, yeah. She's, she's having fun. Yeah. Before that. Right. Or at least maybe, I don't know. Yeah. You should have to ask Pam. She's unavailable. <laughs> Fictional. It's true. So then the fight is set to begin. Sensei Ira lays out the rules and begins the fight. Dwight immediately <laughs> does a lightning fast kick to Michael's torso. <laughs> I don't know a, if I'd say lightning fast. <laughs> well, I mean, he is it pretty was, quick. It was kind of a bumbling kick, though. <laughs> it was. A, I mean, all of his kicks are bumbling. Yeah. It's kind of surprising to me that Dwight... <laughs> Has his purple belt, honestly. <laughs> you look like such an idiot. Idiot. <laughs> I love how he says idiot. Just... <laughs> and to be fair, he does. Yeah. Like his, his karate, what I don't know what you call it, the robes. Uh, Sparring gear. Uh, the, the, oh, yeah. It's uh, it's like way too big for Dwight. Uh-huh. It's like drooping all around him. He just yeah. looks ridiculous. It's true. <laughs> so as soon as Dwight is awarded the point, Michael says, okay, all right, I can play that way. I can play dirty, too. <laughs> uh, from the sidelines, you hear Kevin say, sweep the leg. <laughs> which karate is a kid. Karate kid reference, yeah. <laughs> so they begin fighting again, round two. Michael kicks at Dwight and claims to have landed a kick. Says, I got his pants. <laughs> to which Sensei Iris replies, no points for pants. <laughs> After an embarrassing display, Michael finally gets Dwight on the mat and proceeds to get a loogie put together in the back of his throat. It's like after they just like grapple each other for a while, which is definitely not legal in any school of karate. No. Yeah. And I think Ira is shouting the whole time, like, break. He is. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they they lock. ignore him. Right. Yeah. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Or at least Michael doesn't. No. Dwight has to, you know, stay in the fight. Back to that loogie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Michael's like kind of, uh, he never, he never actually likes, you know, starts spitting it out, but you well, do. we don't see him. Start, yeah. We don't, but s- we certainly hear the revving up to it. It's true. <laughs> and Michael or and Dwight in the elevator. The next scene looks like a battered person. Yeah. Like a beaten dog. Yeah. So yeah, we see everyone filing out of the elevator back at the office and Dwight's kind of slumped over his bag and, as the elevator starts closing, Dwight kind of jumps to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, nobody walking out of the elevator looks very satisfied with what they saw, except for Michael. Yeah, Creed it's... looks pretty disgusted and upset. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like you know, being in an office and Michael being in the position he's in. Yeah, you know, everyone below him, even if it's not conscious, kind of wants to see Michael lose. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so then we get a clip from Michael. You talking to me? You talking to me? Raging Bull. 
Pacino. Oh, I want that footage. I want it. I need it. Oh, I have to get back to work. I have lots of work to... Oh, 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 check this out. Come here. There he is. Mr. Temp, having lunch by the car. Let us play with him. This would be hilarious. Oh, we are playing phone tag. Seven new messages. First new message. Hi, Ryan. This is Saddam Hussein. Next message. Hey, Ryan, this is your girlfriend. And I'm mad. I love before the montage of Ryan showing the voicemails that we get, uh, just the look on his face when he looks at the cell phone and sees Michael on it and yeah. shakes his head before silencing it. <laughs> I mean, he even does, it's more than even just shaking his head. He kind of like lifts his head up to the sky, just like, oh God, enough already. Yeah. It wasn't funny the first time. <laughs> Uh, so we see Dwight at his desk eating at a mame. Oh wait, before we get to that, I just want to say uh, we didn't talk about uh, Michael's other misquote. You talking oh, to me? Yeah, Raging Bull Pacino, <laughs> which I feel like is a pretty brilliantly written misquote considering the actual source material. How like right? It's from Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver, or from Al Pacino in Scarface, quoting Robert De Niro from Taxi, from Taxi Driver. Driver. Right. But Raging Bull is another Scorsese movie starring Robert De Niro. Right. So he, <laughs> like, he gets the Just, wrong source material, mixes it with, like, the wrong actor from, like, a non-Scorsese movie, and then right. just, like, smashes them together somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some wires definitely got crossed on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we cut back. To Dwight at his desk eating edamame and or Tokyo beans. Is that what they're called? I don't know. It's, I'm just quoting Jeremy Jam from Parks and Rec. Oh. <laughs> I'd say based on his knowledge of Asian culture, no. Yeah. That's not what they're called. Definitely not what they're called. <laughs> they uh. Make tuna salad, sushi. Maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Jim attempting to write Pam an apology email. Until he realizes that the cameras are on him, and he deletes what he he wrote. Do you think it was because of the camera, or just because oh, yeah. he lost his nerve in general? No, no, no. It's because of the camera. As soon as he looks over his shoulder and makes uh, eye contact with the camera, that's when he quickly deletes it. Interesting. That makes sense. And it it made me think, like, what would, how would things have ended up if these people hadn't been on camera? Because there was a scene in the Dundies where Pam is going to ask Jim a question while she's drunk and ends up not asking the uh -huh. question because of the cameras. And then there's this email that gets deleted because of the cameras. And it's just, it's funny how the cameras, which are supposed to be just in the background, directly affect these people, these people's relationships. Yeah. It's just fascinating. It is. Like, how would it have turned out if the cameras weren't there? I also thought about uh, with that scene, aside from that, just the kind of how it speaks like somewhat sad things about the modern era 
that he's trying to write out this apology email because of awkwardness to this woman who's sitting literally 10 feet away from him. Yeah. He can't bring himself to go and speak to her face to face and try to work through it. He has to try to do it through an email. I can kind of relate. No, I understand. Yeah. But at the same time, they're both nearing 30 and they're right there. (laughs) You know, if they were in their teens, sure. Yeah. I'll give, them, I'll give it but, to them there. Oh, I was going to say, sometimes it's easier, well, at least for some people, to get their thoughts out the way they want them to be. They have an easier time expressing their feelings written as opposed to spoken. Yeah, that's true. So I see where you're coming from, but I, I, I feel like some people, I mean, that's why I can relate to Jim, because when I want to, you know, sometimes talk, seriously about things i have an easier time writing it yeah i think most people probably do yeah you can organize your thoughts a lot better that way and get your point across more effectively than stumbling through how you're feeling to somebody in the moment yeah that's true maybe i just feel that when it's something involving emotions you're kind of losing a large chunk of it if you're doing it over an email it de- i mean it depends maybe yeah you just save his marriage with that teapot note Nine years later. That's right. (laughs) You know what else? I feel like this is such a stupid little thing, though, that I agree with you that writing an email over something like this is yeah, not necessary. Yeah, it is a pretty small deal. I mean, seriously, if you just waited a couple hours and then gave a simple, like, I'm sorry, that was weird, you know, I didn't didn't mean for it to be, it just got out of hand, like. Here's your bag of chips. Like everything would have been fine. It's not like she gave birth to Jim's child while she's engaged to Roy <laughs> right. or something. Yeah. So yeah, he should have just walked up to her desk with a bag of chips and said sorry. But, yeah. You know. But Jim's not known for uh, speaking his emotions. Right. Yeah. Is that it? For the episode? Yeah. No. Oh. There's still plenty more. Is there? Yeah. Oh, that's where my notes ended. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So Michael is giving Ryan his updated contact, and that contact is Todd F. Packer. Ah. You know what the F stands for? Fudge. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dwight knocks on the door and asks Ryan to change his contact from Michael to the hospital. Just put the and hospital <laughs> for phone number. Just put nine one one. Michael tells Ryan, "Did you hear about the fight? I'm up the floor with them this afternoon." And Ryan just kind of looks up, very non impressed, and looks down. And it's in this moment that Michael starts to realize that his victory has not really won him the popularity points among his employees that he thought it would. Mm-hmm. Or at least, at least not for Ryan. Right. Or Dwight. Yeah. Michael says, oh, just just leave me as his emergency contact. I'll call the hospital. Cut out the middleman. Cut out the middleman. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's wrapping things up for the day, except the people who have to stay until Michael finishes his paperwork. Uh, on his way out, Jim leaves chips on pam's desk and tells her to have a good weekend pam responds without looking but finds the chips once he's out the door and seems to take them as an apology Mm -hmm. you know just kind of recognizing that 
things got uncomfortable, but Jim wants to remain friends and well, of she course. does too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ryan gives Michael his updated contacts and Michael asks him, what are you up to this weekend? Ryan's like, Oh, I don't know. Probably just hanging out with some friends. Michael says, well, if you do anything crazy, give me a shout <laughs> to which Ryan replies. Yeah. I'll see you Monday. <laughs> it's good to establish those boundaries. Yeah. Michael walks out of his office and asks Dwight to come with him to the conference room. Everyone who's there waiting for Michael to finish his paperwork is like, well, I think he addresses the paperwork before they go into the conference room. Well, no, but okay. So Michael walks out of his office, yeah. asks Dwight to come into the conference room with them, at which point everyone asks Michael to postpone the conference room meeting until right. he finishes his paperwork so they can go home. Toby's like, yeah, we want to go home. To which Michael responds, well, you don't have anyone to go home to, Toby, so. <laughs> and Michael says, you know, if everyone just chips in and helps me out, we can gangbang this thing and go home, all right? <laughs> so we cut to everyone standing at Pam's desk with all of the paperwork everywhere. Yep. And people are just furiously signing Michael Scott's name onto the papers. Angela says, this is illegal. To which Stanley replies, I don't care. <laughs> so then we see Michael and Dwight in the conference room and Michael tells Dwight that he's been testing him all day and he's passed and he's passed and he's now officially assistant regional manager. <laughs> Dwight's Dwight, over the moon. Dwight is speechless. He's just looking around and he says, so I guess this will just be my office now. <laughs> It's way bigger than Michael's oh, office. Yeah. <laughs> Michael says, no, no. Title change only. And let's just keep it under wraps for now. <laughs> yeah. And Dwight's like, okay, well, I want to announce it to everybody. And like, Michael's like, no, 90-day probation period. <laughs> and then you'll be able to announce it. And then we get a clip from Michael. Thank you. Sensei. Ditto. I told Dwight that there is honor in losing, which, as we all know, is completely ridiculous. But there is, however, honor in making a loser feel better, which is what I just did for Dwight. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. And I think I proved that today at the dojo. That's one of my favorite Michael lines that really says everything about him. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. You know what's interesting? <laughs> I want to say Marcus Aurelius is quoted saying something very similar. Really? Yeah. Huh. So that might have been inspiration for Michael saying that. What happened to Marcus Aurelius in high school? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we move on to ratings? Ratings. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I mean, 
I believe I went first last week, so oh, man, it's on the on spot. You, Dan. Oh boy. <laughs> I like this episode. I think it's another fun not in the office most of the episode. Well, actually it is in the office most of the episode, but uh Yeah. They they do go to a an irregular place. Yes. Yeah. And we may we meet Sensei Ira. Mm-hmm. He's a fun character. I feel like this is a weird episode for me because whenever it comes up in a rotation, I'm never excited to watch it. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I see it coming up and I'm always just like, yeah, all right. And then I watch it and I'm like, that was great. Yeah. I don't know why I feel that way. Yeah, yeah. So I think having said all that, I'm going to give this episode eight leg sweeps out of ten. Nice. I think I think before watching this episode, I too was even planning on giving it an eight. Just thinking about it. Uh-huh. But like you, it's never been an episode that I'm excited about. And I I was thinking to myself, like, why doesn't this episode stick out to me as one that I really like? And I feel like every time I see it in rotation, I always picture the play fight in the dojo between Jim and Pam and how oh. uncomfortable it makes me. That's, like, what I associate most with this episode. So... But yeah, going through it this time, it, I, I, I liked it a lot. So I'm going to give it eight and a half points for pants. Nice. Out of 10. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I Thinking more on it, I think maybe part of the reason that it's not like something I look forward to in rotation is also because of the next episode, which I feel like is one yeah. of both the best and the most significant of this season. Yeah. And I just love Tim Meadows in it and just everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real excited for next week. Yeah, I can't wait. There's some good ones coming up. We got the Booze Cruise coming up. Yeah. Um, Rob Riggle. That's right. Casino Night. Well, that's at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. It's many weeks away, but it's still on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Season two is not known for its uh, slouches. No. It's not your season one or your season eight, that's for sure. That's yes. I mean, having said that, some parts of both that I love, but yeah, we talk about season eight when we get to it. We already talked about season one, right? But it uh, not my favorite. No, if we (laughs) named each season after a character in the show, I would name season eight Plop, even though he's not in it. Plop, (laughs) because it's always taking so many dumps, man. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So is that it? I guess that's it. That's it. All right. That's all I got. Thanks. Cool. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Yeah. Join us next week, next Monday. Yeah. When we uh, crack open the, the whole thing we've been driving to, get to the bottom of this office code. So it's really my made baby of. Back, baby, back, baby, back. I want my baby back, baby, back, baby, back. Chilies. <laughs> baby, you know back. You know what's hilarious is recently <laughs> at work, we actually watched. The studio, they have like a short little documentary about the studio session of the singers really <laughs> actually performing that song for Chili's. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's fun. It's just like a bunch of like like old country gospel singers in oh. a studio. Maybe in having addition, a great time. In addition to closing out uh this episode with a different song than we usually do, maybe we'll have to start next week's episode with a different song than we usually yeah, do. Yeah, we should. Yeah. We should do our own rendition. Ooh. <laughs>
I love it. <laughs> Might have to use a little auto tune, but I think we could pull it off. Hey, you get out of here with that. <laughs> All right, guys, hit us up on social media, and we will catch you in the next one. Have a good week, everybody. Peace. Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.